Hello everyone, I'm Brendan. It's good to be able to see you all today. It's nice weather, because I know last week was a pretty uh, pretty freezing one. So hopefully you guys will be able to be blessed by the devotion that I have for us today. And hopefully you guys will be able to get all the foods and groceries you guys need for yourself for the rest of the week. I'm going to pray us on it, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being able to give us this time to have traveling mercies to come here. Thank you for being able to allow us to all be able to gather together to be able to hear a little bit about your word and how glorious you are. Please do help us to be able to keep you as our focus throughout the day. And we give you thanks for the food you provided for us through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, good to go ahead and start. Hello, everyone. I hope we're all doing blessed for today. My name is Brandon, as I said earlier. And thank you for coming to First Family Church. I hope you'll find this devotion to be beneficial to your ears. For today, I'm going to be reading out of a book called The Beatitudes by Arthur W. Pink. For those who have not read this book, it is written in Old English, very similar to the King James Version of the Bible, which is difficult for some people to read nowadays. With that in mind, I took the liberty to modernize the text that I'll be reading out of today so that you guys will have a much easier time along with what is being discussed. The text that we're going to be reading into today is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I'm going to be reading the section which reads as follows. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. In the first three Beatitudes, we're called upon to look at how the heart acts that has been awakened by the Spirit of God. First, there is a sense of need and realization of my worthlessness and emptiness. Second, there's a realization about myself and awareness of my own guilt and a sorrow over recognizing that in and of myself, I deserve to go to hell. Third, there's a realization that there is nothing that I can do that can make me right with God, abandoning all thoughts that my own actions can ever be pleasing in God's sight. While taking my proper position in the dust of the earth before holy God. Here in the fourth beatitude, the eye of the soul is turned away from ourselves to now turn towards God for a very special reason. That there is now a deep desire after a righteousness that I really need, but I know I don't have. There has been much worthless arguing about the exact meaning of the word righteousness in our text today. But the best way to understand its importance is to go back to the Old Testament where this word is used. And then go to a deeper understanding using then the New Testament books. First text is, drop down all heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 45, verse 8. The first half of this verse talks about, in figurative language, to the first coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. The second half to his resurrection, when he was raised for our justification, Romans 4, verse 25. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It will not be far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. And I'll place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Isaiah 46, verses 12 and 13. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forward. And my arms shall judge the people. The isles will wait for me, and all my arms shall they trust. Isaiah 51, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice 
and do what is right because my salvation is near to come and my righteousness is about to be revealed. Isaiah 56 verse 1. I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the clothes of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61. These passages make it clear that God's righteousness is synonymous with God's salvation. The scriptures cited above are made more clear in Paul's letter to the Romans, where the gospel is shown most clearly. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God towards salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from start to finish through faith. Also in Romans chapter 3, verses 22-24, we read, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, is for all and on all that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the saving work that is found in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says this wonderful speech, For as by one man's disobedience reference to Adam in the garden. Many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, reference to Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous. And also in Romans 10, verse 4, we learn that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, which means we're not made right with God by our obedience to God's commands. Rather, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and his perfect work that he has done. The sinner has no righteousness in and of themselves, because the Bible says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. God has therefore provided in Jesus Christ a perfect righteousness for every one of his people. This righteousness, this righteousness, the judgment that God's law requires for all who are sinners, deserve to receive the wrath of God, was instead received by Jesus Christ, on behalf of all those who believe in him as their Lord and Savior. This righteousness is now imputed, which means legally given to the account of another person, to the believing sinner. Just as the sins of God's people were all transferred to Jesus Christ, in the same way Jesus Christ's righteousness, living his perfect life, is given to all of God's people by faith. I spoke about 2 Corinthians 5.21. These few words are but a brief summary of the teachings of the Bible on this vital and blessed topic of the perfect righteousness that God requires of us that is only available for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hungering and thirsting expresses a deep desire of which the person is aware of their own condition. First, the Holy Spirit brings to the heart the requirements of God, which is that he requires perfect obedience to his law at all times in our thoughts and even our own works. The Holy Spirit then reveals to us his perfect standard, which is perfect obedience at all times to God's commandments, which he can never lower for anyone. He reminds us that unless your righteousness shall surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not be able to get into heaven. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. Keep in mind, the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day, most of them were not saved. Yet, they took their faith very seriously in their devotions of knowing God's word and following what God's word says to do. 
So when Jesus says a quote like that, he's not comparing it to people who were lazy in their devotion. These people really knew their word inside and out, were really devoted to their lives all throughout uh, their time. So pretty high standard that Jesus was saying there. Second, the terrified soul, aware of his own severe poverty and realizing his utter hopelessness of ever being able to obey God's law perfectly at all times, sees no hope within himself to do such a mighty task. This painful discovery causes him to weep and mourn bitterly. Is this a reality in any of your guys' lives today? Third, the Holy Spirit then creates in the heart a deep hunger and thirst that causes the convicted sinner to look for help, to seek help from outside of himself. The believing eye is then pointed towards Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6. Like the previous ones, this fourth beatitude describes a double meaning. It obviously refers to the starting, hungering, and thirsting that occurs before a sinner turns to Jesus by faith. But also refers to the longing that is continuing in the heart of every safe sinner until their own dying day. Repeated exercises of this grace are felt at different times in a person's life. The one who desires to be saved by Christ now wants to be made just like him. Look at, look at in its widest meaning, this hungering and thirsting refers to a starving or, thirst, or thirsty saved heart that seeks after God to be their satisfaction. A desire for a closer walk with him and a passion to be able to live more like Jesus Christ. It tells those desires of the new believer to seek for divine blessing that alone can strengthen, sustain, and satisfy the believer. Our text, though, shows the paradox that is obvious that no unsaved mind can ever make up such a wonderful passage. Can anyone who's been brought into vital union with him who is the bread of life, that is Jesus Christ, and in whom also is fully God, could still be found yet hungering and thirsting? Yes, it is the experience of the saved heart. Notice carefully the tense of the verb. It is not, blessed are they which have hungered and thirsted, but blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Is this case for you? Do you currently hunger or thirst for Jesus Christ today? Or are you fine with how your life is and feel no need to change anything in your life? Hungry and thirsting after righteousness has always been the experience of God's people. As talked about in Philippians 3 verse 8. They shall be filled. Like the first part of our text, this also has a double meaning. Both at the beginning of a believer's life and throughout their life. When God creates a hunger and a thirst in a person, it is so that he may satisfy them. When the poor sinner is made to feel his need for Jesus Christ, it is for the purpose that he will be drawn to Jesus and led to hold tightly that Jesus alone is the reason that he is saved on the judgment day of God. He is delighted to confess Jesus as his newfound righteousness and to give glory in him alone. This is the person who God now calls a saint and is now to experience continuous filling, not with wine, which there's plenty to go around in the world, but rather with the Holy Spirit. Yes, this satisfaction does not come from consuming food or drink, 
but rather consuming the Holy Spirit. The believer is to be filled with the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We who are trusting in the righteousness of Jesus will one day be filled with divine blessings without a single drop of sorrow. We will be filled with praise and thanksgiving to him who brought about every work of obedience that we have done on this earth. As talked about in Philippians. As the visible fruit of his saving work in and for us in the world, he has filled the hungry with good things. It's talked about in Luke 1 verses 53. The world can't give, neither prevent those who end up seeking the Lord. He gives such goodness and mercy upon us who are the sheep of his pasture that our cups are overflowed with his goodness and mercy. It's talked about in Psalms. Yet all that we are presently to enjoy is but a mere sample of all that God has prepared for those who love him. In heaven, we will be filled with perfect holiness because we shall be like Jesus. It's talked about in 1 John. Then we shall be done with sin forever. And then we shall never hunger, neither thirst anymore. That is it for you guys today.